0: I just love that video. Oh my god! I watched it because I downloaded it this week. I watched it a bunch of times, and every time at the end, I'm like, "Oh, that's such a good little twist!" Oh my gosh, so good! Hey, eh? hey, Etu, go and say, "Morena," you can say "Kilda," you could say "Bonitz," "Diaz," yes, you could say whatever the heck you said. Feliz Navidad! Etu, stand up, go and say good day to a few people. Say you're looking fabulous. Alrighty, Enoho, Enoho, have a seat, have a seat eh, super cool, alrighty, kia ora video people, kia ora podcast people, how you doing, good on you for connecting, Oh, good on you for doing the, so Shelly, you would have known. But Shelley before talked about the importance of like putting a circle around the madness of life and and spending time with God in the circle. I think that was kind of what Shelley said, all right? Yeah, so it's cool. So good on you, video and podcast people, for putting a circle around this time to connect with Jesus. So extra bonus points for you. Awesome to see you. Um, Before I get into it, I need to say a weird thing. So previous to this Sunday, Josh has been one of my heroes because Josh one Sunday did bass at the back and sound and visuals. Life-changing, right? Amazing, right? Okay. a kidding. Me. Okay. Okay. And although we still love Josh, this Sunday the bar went to the next level. Because as you may or may not have noticed, this Sunday the amazing siren was on bass and a mum, which is impossible. Am I right? So massive clapping for siren. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I thought it was so cute, like the greatest worship person ever sitting here with their multicolored little unicorn or whatever it is. Oh, so good. All right, sermon time. Hey, I'm um, good to see you all. I don't know. This thing has a mind of its own, man. I don't know why it's doing it. Anyway, hey, so we're in our Christmas series, as you know, and it's the last one. If you didn't realize it's Christmas tomorrow, and if you didn't know that, then I don't know who you are. And so we're looking at, I think, the coolest in all the pictures, because every time I look at this picture, it's super cute and super hilarious. So this is the one we're doing today, the last one. Um, so good news of great joy, right? And I love this picture for for theological reasons, Jesus, all that good stuff. But mainly because they're like total Waikato shepherds because they are in gumboots. You see it? And see they've got like bands, so they pursuing... Oh, I'm going to give up on this. It's going to drive me nuts. Cheers. See they're wearing red bands. And then second thing, how cute are those little sheep? Those are like the cutest sheep ever. right? <laughs> I love it. So that's all looking at today, just thinking about. Um, about joy, right? And where I want to go, I'm going to be real careful on this. And I think some of you will disagree with me, which is totally sweet. But what I want to think about is, and I say this real, this is going to sound really arrogant. I'm not meaning in an arrogant way. I'm just meaning in a, hmm, wrestle think way. Um, I think a lot of us make a bit of a mistake when we get to Christmas and we think about the great joy, and we start thinking about the great joy. Why did the angels say to the shepherds, great joy, and it's all joy, joy, joy. And I think we go to the wrong place rather than where the angels wanted us to go. So that's kind of what we're going to be thinking a bit about this morning. So what is the what happens in this birth of Jesus and, and mangers and shepherds and angels and all this crazy stuff, that's all about great joy. So... That's where we're heading, right? But before we get there, just turn to someone around you. You're not allowed to move your butt from your seat and say to them, what brings you great joy? It might be pizza, coffee, Jesus, if you're really spiritual, your spouse, of course. Anyone? Cool. All right. Okay. Hey, so... I'm obviously talking about the angels, talking to the shepherds, because Josephine read that cool passage before, Um, and as you know, and Shelley did an awesome sermon uh, last week, and she talked about this with the humble birth and stuff, and talked about how shepherds in the day of Christ were real shady, like super shady, and this is always my favorite quote, thinking about how shady the shepherds were, so um, I'm sure some of you have seen it before, but I love this. As a class, shepherds had a bad reputation. The nature of their calling kept them from observing the ceremonial law, which meant so much to religious people. So they're always unclean because they were with animals and d- killing and all sorts of stuff, but beside the point. The next bit's my favorite bit. More regrettable was their unfortunate habit of confusing mine with thine as they moved about the country. They were considered unreliable, were not allowed to give testimony in the law courts, according to the Talmud, right, which is like a, um, a commentary on the Old Testament in, in Jewish... Um, tradition, so I, I just love this, This and Shelly talked a bit about this last week, and I just loved how Shelly was talking about the humble birth, and how she talked about this crazy thing of like, of all the people to be the first ones to announce the birth of God, God chooses shepherds, and it's like, who are the, other than people with leprosy, who are the bottom of society, it's the shepherds, and yet we've talked all about the humble birth, right, the whole way through this, in a manger, no room in the inn, all this kind of stuff. And I just love how the the shepherds, it's like God's like, okay, hang on, hang on, how can I make the birth of Christ even more humble? I know, I'll choose the people that literally no one trusts their testimony and have them to be the first ones to give testimony. Just see what I mean, eh? And the thing I really loved that Shelley put out last week, which is kind of funny, but it's really like deep at the same time. It's like Shelley talked about how if God can use shepherds. <laughs> then he can use anyone. And I was like, man, that's such a good point, right? It's not like God used the king and flash people. He literally goes, and I'll choose the bottom to to do it. Um, So especially some of you on podcasts, some of you on video, I know some of us really wrestle with this reality. And to think that God could really use us is often something that we're like, no, I don't know, bro, I don't know. My health, my health stops me from serving Jesus. It's like, I don't know. I, I think there would still be things that God could use you to do. Prayer. Maybe texting someone an encouragement. I don't know. There's always something we can do. Some of us would go, bro, if you knew the things I've done or the things I'm doing. At the moment, God couldn't use me. I'm like, oh, did you check out the shepherds? <laughs> I love the mine with thine but right? They're literally thieves. And yet God's still like, yeah, I'll use you to be the first people to tell everyone about the birth of God. It's wild, eh? Wild. I love that, eh? I love it. Um, so the, the kind of cool verses I want to pull apart a little bit this morning is these ones here from Luke chapter two. So just read this, but I'll just read this a little bit again. They hurried to the village, this is the shepherds, and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. So one of the things I kind of want to think about this morning is this whole, what, what made the shepherds so excited, right? Why are they so excited? What did the angels say that makes the shepherds really excited? And what did the shepherds say to the people that makes the people so um, so astonished? One of the things I found real interesting, this is a little nerd side point. So if you're not into nerdy Bible stuff, you can kind of switch off and I'll give you the, hey, when I'm done nerding out for a second, yeah? I just found this really interesting. So in verse 15, um, after the angels have talked to the shepherds, the shepherds go, let's go and they, they're saying, let's go and see this baby. Let's go and see this thing, right? And in the Greek, um, which this Luke had written in, in the Greek, it's like a real aggressive way of saying it. It's like saying, oh my gosh, let's race, let's run, right? You with me? Cool. And in our English translations, it's kind of watered down a bit, which I don't know why they did that. So this is the kind of idea, because you're like, yeah, yeah, I am, but you're not with me. So this is what I was thinking. If we all suddenly heard, after church, of course, not now, after church, Duck Island Ice Cream is handing out free ice creams for one hour, that's the intensity. It's like, everyone, Duck Island, go, go, go. Or, and I know you all agree with me, that Coles Jr. is the best hamburgers in the city. Can you hear an amen? Yep, shop, bro, the best. The same thing, if you heard that Carl's Jr. was handing out free hamburgers for one hour, it's that kind of like, oh my gosh, mount up the wagons, kids in the car, go, go, go. It's that kind of (laughs) excitement. So I'm still in my nerd nerd moment here. Now, the interesting thing is, I wrote down the reference here, in Matthew 2, chapter 5, which is about a year later when the wise people come, and they go to Herod, and they say, where is the king to be born? And Herod's like, I got nothing, because Herod's... A very shady evil guy. And he calls the wise guy, the, the Jewish leaders in. And when the Jewish leaders come in, they know, right? And they say to him, and now they know the wise people have come to worship, and they say, Oh, he's in Bethlehem. And what do they do? Nothing. <laughs> and I find it really interesting again that the shadiest people in society know the Messiah's been born and they're like, it's Duck Island time. Go, 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 you know, <laughs> desert the sheep. And then they go, and it's so important to them. But yet the Jewish leaders are like, eh. We don't care that the Messiah is born. And you see that come out later when Jesus is um, in his ministry, right? The Jewish leaders have just opposed him. And I thought, man, that's such an interesting little comparison. So, okay, nerd out time off. Back to normal, awesome sermon preaching. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, so here's the kind of question I want to unpack a little bit. What did the angels say that got the shepherds so excited? Or another way to look at it is, what did the shepherds say to the people that caused them to be astonished, right? Um to be astonished and it's a real simple answer right? it's this idea of great joy the angels say to the shepherd I bring you good news that will well I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people right great joy so a lot of my question is what is the great joy what's occurring at this moment when Jesus is born that is great joy that makes the shepherds be like duck island run that makes everyone they talk to go astonished what on earth is happening right what's going on So when I'm doing sermon prep, I read all sorts of articles and blah, 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 and all sorts of stuff. And I read the funniest story about joy that I think I've ever read. So it kind of fits, kind of doesn't, but who cares, right? It's a great story. So this story is about this book, Where the Wild Things Are, everyone's favorite book in the world. Are you with me? I love this book, right? Um, So this is true. This is actually written by um, the the author, Morris um, Sendek, however you say his name, so This this is what I was reading, right? So Maurice Sendak, author and illustrator of Where the Wild Things Are and other children's books, gets many letters from his young fans. A favourite was a charming drawing sent by a little boy's mother. I loved it, Sendak said. I drew a picture of a wild thing on a postcard and sent it to him. I was like, what a nice guy, legit, right? Um, The the boy's mother wrote back, "Um, Jim loved your card so much he ate it. (laughs) The little boy didn't care that it was original drawing. He saw it, he loved it, he ate it. <laughs> that, was, um, that was, for me, one of the highest compliments I've ever received. I love that, eh? It's like, he's just so excited with joy, it's like, I must consume this, right? It's like, I love that. Um, it's the same feeling with the shepherds, right? Something's been said to them that they are just like, we've got to do something. <sighs> um, I, I love it. All right, back to our verse, back to our verse. Says here's our verse, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So I want to just go briefly on this, and I, again, feel free to disagree with me, I won't lose much sleep, but the, the mistake I think some of us make is we go from this verse, and I think wrongly we go straight to the cross. Does that make sense? We go, oh, the great news is that the Savior's come, Jesus will be born, he'll grow up and he'll die for the sins of everyone. That's what the great news is, that's what the, the joy is, that's what the shepherds hear and they're like, oh my gosh. And I think a lot of us do that almost subconsciously. If we've been in church for ages, we hear anything about joy or, or goodness or excitement or whatever, and we're like, yeah, it's all to do with saving us from our sin. Does that kind of make sense? Are you with me? But what I want to kind of argue or whatever, or propose, there's a nicer word, is that that's just not it at all. Yeah, that's part of it. And we all know that. That's part of it. And the angels know that. But that's not the core message. The core message is the most unbelievable miracle has just occurred that is God has become human. God has become flesh. Forget the cross for a minute. We know that's coming, but that's not the miracle. That's not what makes the shepherds go, Duck Island, (laughs) Culls Jr. That's not what makes everyone who hears it go, oh my gosh, are you serious? It's this God becoming person. So kind of pulling it apart a little bit, when you look real carefully at what the angels say to the shepherds, They never talk about death. They never talk about cross. They never talk about any of that. It's all about the birth, the birth, the birth. Now, they call God the Savior, which is really, it's very normal in Jewish culture because God is always saving them because they're always stuffing up, right? They're in in captivity in um, Egypt, and God is their rescuer. He saves them. Then there's um, famines and plagues, and God saves them. And then they end up in captivity in Babylon, and God saves them. So all the way through the Bible, you always see people calling God's Saviour. And I think it's more of a general term there rather than like this look forward to the cross. But other than that, there's nothing about death or anything. Um, And then the other one is when the angel talks to Mary. Again, there's nothing in there about Jesus being a Saviour. It's just all about the birth and this is miraculous and this is God becoming flesh, becoming human. It's kind of like, so. So I want to read Mary's little. song so you know her song and where are we going to go we're going to go to Luke 1 in a minute and I'm going to read it and it's really interesting she'll say God our Savior which again is that classic Jewish phrase that you'd always say but it's really interesting when you read what she says there's no he's come to die for us he's going to the cross there's none of that it's just Mary celebrating the birth of the Messiah are you with me eh? okay so just before I read it, before I read it, two little bits about this that I just really love. So the first one is, this happens when Mary goes, and I'll read these verses in a sec. Um, this this song or this poem that Mary says is one that she sees when she first meets Elizabeth. And who remember the absolute, insanely crazy thing that happens to Elizabeth when Mary first greets her? Do you remember what it is? Yeah, John the Baptist who's in her womb leaps, and Elizabeth goes, ah, <laughs> and literally says It's kind of like, wow, um, so that's one thing that's real interesting. And, and out of that comes this awesome song by Mary. The other thing that I really love about this, and again, it's a bit nerdy, but whatever, is... Um, So, back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, um, as you guys know, 1 Samuel chapter 2 is when Hannah um, finds out that she's pregnant with Samuel, right? You remember that? Remember, she couldn't have a baby for all those years and she kept going to the temple and she's pleading with God and the priest thinks she's drunk because she's crying so much. It's a real crazy story. And then finally, she finds out she's pregnant and she sings this really amazing song or writes this real amazing poem. And the one that Mary um, does that we have in Luke chapter 1 is really, really similar which to me is real intentional. And it shows, again, remember I talked a few Sundays ago that it shows that Mary knows a lot more about the Old Testament than a lot of us think. Yes, yeah, she's illiterate, but she's in a lot of temple worship. She'd be in all the festivals and stuff. And it's real interesting that when she writes her little poem or sings her little song about the amazement of the birth of Christ, she's reflecting back to the amazing time that Hannah became pregnant, which I think is super cool. But you guys are looking at me like, whatever. Whoa, there's a weird thing going on up there about... That's all good. All right, so we've got your Bible. Go over to Luke chapter 1. I'm just going to read a few verses here. I'll verse 39. Eh? A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. Wild, eh? That's so Wild. And it's not because of Mary's greeting, it's because of who's inside Mary. You with me, eh? Yeah, Yeah, cool. Um, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry, (laughs) I always love that, it's like, (laughs) woohoo, and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? What an amazing thing to say. Oh my gosh, when I heard your greeting. The baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Oh, that's such a powerful little passage. All right, so I just want to read Mary's um, response, her song, or her, this awesome poem. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. This is pretty awesome to stop and think. This is like a 14-year-old girl who's totally literate. It's like, awesome. Anyway, sorry. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He's helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mmm, I just love that. Do you, do you see in there, there's, other than the God, our Savior, which is, again, that, a very classic Jewish statement, there's nothing in there about Mary being amazed that Jesus come to die, or the cross, or anything. It's all just the awesomeness of the birth of Jesus, which I just love, right? Um, so one of the things, and I know you guys know this, but I kind of was like, ooh, I have to say it anyway, because I'd feel bad if I didn't. One of things to keep remembering is that Jesus is fully divine, right? He's fully God the entire time he's on earth. It's not that he's kind of divine, but as he gets older, he becomes more and more divine. It's like, while well, he's a fetus. In the womb of Mary, he's still 100% God, right? And I love what Paul says over in Colossians 1, and he repeats it twice. And as you know, whenever anything's repeated in the Bible, it means this is really important. So both in Colossians 1.19 and in Colossians 2.9, Paul says almost the exact same phrase. For in him, for in Christ... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And so what Paul's saying is Jesus, while he was on earth, Jesus before he came to earth, Jesus after he came to earth, is not only 100% human, but he's also 100% God. He's fully divine, right? And this always this always melts my brain. I think the two aspects of the Bible that blow my brain the most is, one, the cross. I do not understand how Jesus paid for our sin, that, that's such a deep, massive theological truth, I'm like, whoa, that's in three hours, you know, anyway. But the other one is this, how is Jesus a fetus, and yet he's still fully divine? How is Jesus a, a one-year-old learning to walk, and he stumbles and cuts his knee and cries, and Mary picks up God <laughs> and soothes God, you know, um, when he's five and he's at, you know, school, and some kid punches him, it's, You just punch God, you know what I mean? I'm like, whoa, this is like, just melts my little brain. One of the things we did, I did a talk on the Trinity in in one of those um, earlier kind of Christmas posters, and one of the things I I talked about is it's important for us to remember is that each member of the Trinity is 100% God, right? They're 100% God. It's not that each one of them is a third of God, and when you put them all together, you finally have the fullness of God, right? That makes sense? So the simple question is, what percentage of God is Jesus? And the answer is 100%. It's like, hang on, hang on. What percentage of God is the Holy Spirit? 100%. What percentage of God is the Father? 100%. They're all fully divine. Their attributes, their characteristics are full divinity. They're all omnipresent, omnipotent. You know, all the big words, right? It's not that they're bits, and when they come together, they're fully divine. And again, it's this amazing truth that and to me, this is the great joy but that the angels are just like blown away. The shepherds are blown away. Everyone who hears it is astonished. Mary in her song is just like, what is happening? It's like, oh my gosh, God, the divine, has now become human. He's come amongst us. It just always blows me away, right? I love it. All right, back to another little verse here. Um, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. I love this, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, which I always think is one of the funniest verses in the Bible, right? If you're out in the fields, it's totally dark, maybe you've got a little fire going, maybe not. The next minute, there's an army, it says, of angels, so millions of angels. You're absolutely freaking out, possibly going to the bathroom, possibly not. And then the angel's like, don't be afraid. You'll be like, oh, shot, bro, thanks. I was terrified before, but now I'm totally, it always cracks No, I love that video. Um, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. To all people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Mm, I just love that. All right, a couple of questions for y'all to discuss. I have three questions today, which is pretty awesome. I know, I'm so generous. Whoa, where'd my questions go? Josh, go back. Thank you, bro. So here's um, a couple of questions. So you might want to choose one. You might want to go real hard. I'm trying to do all of them in like two minutes. Um, here's the first one. Can you explain why the shepherds are so excited and why the people are astonished? So what do you think? Do you agree with me? Do you think about to lunch? What do you reckon on that one? Or you may want to choose the next one. Why do you think many, and I put lots of question marks, uh, many people miss the great joy of Christmas? So why is a lot of people totally miss it? None to do with them. Well, last question, what is one simple thing you could do this Christmas season to remind yourself of the great joy of the birth of Jesus? So that, that circling thing that Shelley was talking about. So if you're visiting with us, we're just gonna kind of stop for a couple of minutes now. Um, the deal is always, if you don't wanna to talk to people because maybe you and God are kind of having a combo, you can just stare at the screen. So if you're not staring at the screen, then people will chat to you. So grab a friend or two, choose a question, have a little chat. Kia ora. All righty, kia ora. Any thoughts from any wise people out there? Yeah, Louise, what do you reckon, Louise? Yeah. I think, um, with Christmas, um, I, think, I don't think people truly understand the real meaning behind Christmas. To um, yep. so them, it's about just buying presents and decorating on Christmas tree yeah. and just celebrating. Yeah, totally, which is cool. We're not saying that's a terrible thing. It's cool, but you miss the whole... The great joy part, right? It's like you wonder why at the end of it you've got tons of used wrapping paper and and now bones of a turkey, but you're like, I'm full, but I'm not filled with great joy. Shot, Louise. Turkey? Ham? Anyone else? Any other thoughts from any other questions? All good? All right, we'll boogie on, because it's nearly Christmas, and I think everyone's like, bro, I'm so tired. I just finished work yesterday. Don't make me think. What is this evil? <laughs> Um, the other thing that, and I'm, this is my last little point, right? And this is a brief one. So if you're like, oh my gosh, bro, I need to get out of here. Um, in the in the passage that Joseph read, the other thing that angels say is this wild phrase, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased, right? Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And I had a whole other sermon on peace that I then deleted. Um, so to break it down to a simple nutshell, I think... One of the problems, and again, this sounds real judgy, I think one of the problems a lot of people in our society make and a lot of Christians make is they read that verse and they go, yeah, I want to come to God so that he gives me peace in all these areas of my life. My life is chaotic, it's busy, it's hectic. I come to God and I want him to give me peace in all these areas. Right? Does that make sense? Okay, but that's totally not what the verse is saying. The verse is totally talking about peace between me and God. And when I think about it like that, I'm like, that's always the way it goes with God. It, all this other stuff we desire will always be a byproduct of my relationship with God. So what I'm meaning by that is what the angels are saying is there will be peace for those whom God is pleased with. What pleases God? What pleases God is me hanging out with them. It's as simple as that. Me loving other people. It's as simple as that. And so what these, the angels are saying, but you know God's saying through these angels is that if I want peace in all the bits of my life, the hectic, the crazy, the stressful... I don't go to God for that. I go to God for a relationship with Him. I go to Him and say, God, I am freaking out. I am stressed. I need more of you in my life. I need clarity. I need blessing. I need focus. Does it make sense? And once I get that relationship sorted, then all the rest starts clicking into place, right? All the rest starts clicking into place. So I had a bit of a busy week this week because I've been writing some of the online sermons and Awesome Graham did one of them for the the summer series. So it was a bit of a crazy week. And one day I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm losing the plot. And so I went to one of the old churches because I love going into an old church. And it was so weird to go in there and just sit in quietness for only probably five, maybe ten minutes. And it this thing worked, <laughs> not like it was a test, but I went in like, oh my gosh, I've got sermons to write in church, and, blah, and presents to buy for my terrifying wife, ah, she's not terrifying, it's terrifying buying presents for her, because I want to get the perfect present, that's what I meant, right, it was, a, it was crazy, and then I went in, and it was like, after not even five minutes, it was like, oh. and to me, that's what the angels are saying, get this one right, <laughs> get the relationship with God right, and everything else kind of clicks in, and starts becoming more peaceful, right, it makes sense, eh? you with me? Yeah, I just want to finish with this slightly funny quote. It's not a funny quote, but it's kind of funny given it's Christmas. I love this. This is Andy Stanley. Can you click? Josh, my clickers died. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit, not a byproduct of accumulated wealth. (laughs) I love that, eh? Um, God, uh, every time I read this quote, I had this, not a vision or anything crazy like that. I just kind of see God going, it's right here if you want it. If your life's hectic and busy and you're stressed and you're tired, you know, it's right here. I just offer peace. Peace, just hang out with me. It's right here for the the offering. Um, So I just want to bounce off what Shelley was saying before about the circle thing, right? Um, We're all going into crazy times with families that we like and don't like and smelly people coming into our house or not and all this crazy season. Um, What are some of the things really you're going to do to put a bit of a circle around you and Jesus, right? What are some of the things you're going to put around you and Jesus? Because you know otherwise you'll get to the next three or four days and you'll be exhausted and have forgotten God and not made time. So now be thinking, now, what's just one or two simple things I could do to make sure I still have that circle around me and Jesus, right? There's still me and and God time. Because if you don't get that, (laughs) this will be crazy, right? This will be crazy. All right, let me pray for us, and then I think we're back into worship, sung worship anyway. Let me pray. Yeah, kia ora atua. I, I love this whole idea of the shepherds being baffled and, and amazed and people being astounded that uh, God has come to earth. <laughs> that in a nasty little cave or um, barn or something crazy, there is God lying in an animal feed trough because he loves us and desires relationships so deeply with us. Um, I think deep down all of us get that. We get that the more we develop our closeness with you, the more everything else fits into place. But, I mean, you made us, God, so you know that is really hard to do at this time of year. It just feels like there's so much urgency and things to get perfect and right and and all this. Um, yeah, I don't know, I just, um, Howard, when we were praying earlier, was talking about Mary and Martha and... Um, how Mary's in the kitchen when Jesus visits, right? He's the rabbi. He's so important when he visits. Martha's in the kitchen, and, and Jesus says she is distracted by trying to make the perfect meal, right? Just distracted by preparations, whereas Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, and Jesus like, this is the key. Mary's found the right thing. Um, we, we don't want to be lazy and people turn up to a house and there's nothing to eat, God, but we want to do some Mary in the midst of our marthering over the next season, God, the next little while. So give us wisdom on that. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.